Hello and welcome. I'm your hostess, Tanai, and I'm an intuitive coach. I help people feel fully self-expressed in their lives and relationships by learning to accept and love every part of themselves. For the past 10 years, I've worked with all kinds of sex and relationship experts to heal my own commitment phobia, to find out that there's actually no such thing. I'm ready to share everything that I've learned. So this podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia. So drop all your preconceived notions and tune in to hear what I've learned along my journey about what it takes for people to really create authentic and intimate connections. This is Commitment Phobe. Welcome to my first guest episode on Commitment Phobe. I'm very excited to talk to my first guest on the show, Amy Batuski. She's the first life coach that I ever worked with. I was 23, living in New York, feeling very dissatisfied with what I thought was my dream life. I wanted to make so much money. I was obsessed with my weight, and I wanted a boyfriend. And Amy opened my eyes to realize that it wasn't about these things at all. It was a very rude awakening. Amy was truly my catalyst for my journey of doing the inner work, so this is going to be a very special experience. And there's way too much to say to introduce you. So, Amy, please introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so I have full body chills uh, right now. Just having heard you say all that and the catalyst for being the honor of being a catalyst for your journey, for your healing journey. And just hearing you repeat back like who you were right to share and reflect on who you were when we started working together all those years ago it's just it's just crazy like it's easy for me to forget who my clients were because I relate to you as as who you are now and it's so different I mean even just the conversation we had in the pre-show before we started recording it's like who you are and your expansiveness and your pleasure and your desire and your confidence and your self-love I'm like who was that girl (laughs) so we'll get into it but who I am my name is Amy as you said, Amy Batuski. I live right now in Bali. I'm normally based in Los Angeles, California. I'm an intimacy coach and I work with women on so many different topics. Yeah. I say intimacy versus being a desire coach or relationship coach, or even a pleasure coach, because intimacy to me kind of encapsulates all of it. It's like, we need intimacy to have thriving relationships with ourselves, our friends, our partners, our bosses, whomever. And so I'm really about getting to the truth of what you want, of who you are, of what you want to express, of what you desire in the world. And then guiding you and giving you lots of permission to have it. So I'm all about having a pleasure-filled, desire-led life and then getting through the shit that's in the way that blocks you from having that. Wow. What an intro. I love that because I also (laughs) just got to think back. I made it up. Oh, I just, I just, I ran with it. I'm like, what do I do? It's a hard (laughs) thing to explain. (laughs) It always comes out differently. Mm -hmm. No, that was perfect because I also, you know, I think we worked together one-on-one for two years, I realized. And then I did two of your group coaching programs, an in-person retreat, a couple virtual retreats. So yeah, you know, you also just kind of took me back to memory lane. And um, it's funny that you say that it's so cool for you to hear, you know, where I was before, because I remember even when we started coaching, I'd get, I'd lose my patience in terms of like, like, what I wanted to get and how I wanted to feel. And you tell me, listen, I've been doing this work for years. Don't worry. You're, you'll get there. You're going to, totally. you know, you're, you're going to get everything that you want. It's just a couple of layers to peel off. 
Definitely. I think, and it, that really relates to, you know, in, in my work and in, in our, our work together, I talk a lot about masculine and feminine energy, which is inside of each of us, I believe. And in, in, in my view, we have masculine and feminine energy inside of us. And it's sort of a masculine perspective or from masculine energy. That's like, I need to get there and I need to get there by a certain date. I need to achieve the goal and I need to make change. And that, that tends to be more of a masculine energy perspective. And the feminine energy would say, you know, from a feminine perspective, it's like, trust the process, let it take its time. Like, whatever it requires, let yourself be excavated, let yourself, you know, take the time to peel away the layers and have it be released in divine timing. And, you know, I'm so in that world now, but years ago I was in the same, you know, the same boat of like, let's get there. Let's move on. Why is this taking so long? And what I've found is this feminine path of pleasure and desire is like slow and uncomfortable and it really is impactful and it works. The transformation works, but it works you. You don't get to choose it like, okay, this is how it's going to go today. It it works you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and I also think, you know, especially working with women and clients of, my, of mine that are women that want to get in touch with their feminine, they think it's going to look a certain way. You know, they're like, I'm so sad all the time. And it's like, that's the feminine. Like, you know, feeling emotional, totally. feeling that up and down and and it just takes time to kind of let go and let yourself, you know, take that ride. And um, yeah, and it's such a ride. Yes, it's such it's a ride. Such a ride. <laughs> you just got to hang on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. your life. <laughs> so, yeah. So to give the listeners a little bit of a background story, um, when I started working with Amy, um, like I said, I wanted to work on making money and feeling great about my body. And when I started working with her, I'd already seen this pattern in my relationships, which was that every time a guy would tell me that they really liked me or anytime it got serious, I would freak out to the point where I would not be even attracted to them anymore and run out of the relationship. And so this is right after Landmark. And Landmark is a self-development program. And they have something called a story, which is basically something that you decided about yourself. And there's a tool that you use in order to succeed in life. And it also works against you. So mine was get me out of here. So running away was something that I had learned that I do in my life in order to, to succeed and protect myself. And so that yeah, was my- like a survival mechanism, right? It was like in the moment where you might have felt unsafe or you didn't, you felt out of control, right? It's like that is the pattern of the mechanism that comes up is like, get me out of here. And then you run for the hills. Exactly. Yeah. At this point, when we started working together, that's all I knew about what I, you know, what I experienced as commitment phobia. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's how, it, how, it, I mean, you had more awareness than I think a lot of people do because you had been taking landmark courses and you were already doing some introspective work and noticing what, you know, what you just referenced to your stories, right? Your beliefs that you had, had taken on throughout your life from your own experiences. And a lot of people aren't even aware of that, right? So they're just moving through life and just kind of like having these relationship patterns play out that they don't know are relationship patterns. They just think somebody's an asshole. <laughs> right. We just blame other people when we're not aware of our own internal dialogues and our belief systems that that are developed throughout our lives. We just blame other people for everything. Right. It's just like he's an asshole. I don't like him. He makes me feel unsafe. He didn't treat me the way I wanted. Men suck. And that's just the reality that we live in that so many women live in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, 
I'd love to get a little bit of your own story because I don't think I've really heard it, you know, since I was, I've always been your client. I'd love to hear your own story in relationships and particularly committing and, you know, being open to being intimate with a man or anyone um, and yeah. how, how that played out in your life. Okay. So yes, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I was raised in a sex positive home or like with these great messages around like being confident and self-expressed because I was still really impacted by our culture and my experiences with men, with women, comparing myself, seeing how other women acted, other women's bodies, all of these things. And so then how it played out for me was in college, I had a really safe boyfriend who was great. But then I, oh my gosh, I don't like, I don't usually talk about this, but I like, after we broke up, I hooked up with his best friend who was like the complete opposite of me. And like, was this like hardcore, like, country club going Republican gun loving meat loving, you know, like opposite of me. And we had this like fiery energy and and passion. And even though it was after my breakup with my boyfriend in, in college, I told him because I wanted to be authentic and he was heartbroken. And so there were just like subtle ways that I wasn't in connection with myself. I wasn't right with my desire. I didn't know how to express what I wanted and needed. Sex was good, but it wasn't like next level. I actually had beautiful sex with my boyfriend in, in college, which I'm so grateful for because a lot of people don't. And I, it's funny because I was already pretty conscious around it. I had sober sex with him. Like I, I really wanted us to have sober sex our first time. And most times that we were having sex were sober, which is so unusual when you talk to most people about their college sex. But yeah, it was great. And then I left college and just didn't want to date. I was living in New York City. I had all sorts of stories about men, all sorts of inner dialogues and inner narratives about men. Like, they're all idiots. They're, they don't know how to handle me. They're not on my level. Just all sorts of beliefs. And, you know, I had also been conditioned from being in college in a sorority that, like, men were all, like, frat guys, <laughs> which is just not a good story to have because I love my college guy friends. They're amazing. But, like, you know, I, I was hearing the way they talked about women and I heard the way they talked about like the girls they fucked. And I, I heard, you know, they're kind of derogatory and making fun of language. And that's just how they were. And, you know, hello, they're, they're college men. They're insecure. They got their own stories and beliefs and they're trying to prove that they're good enough and all of that. But it really impacted me. So I didn't date in New York. And then I decided to move to LA. And this is when I started diving into the feminine work. So I had been doing personal development work since I was 18. So through college and living in New York, I was very successful. My life on the outside looked really good. I had a good career. I was starting a coaching business. I had great friends, family relationships. I communicated well. Like things were great. And I was super frozen in my body, distrusting of men and not having sex. And so I moved to LA, started diving into this feminine body of work, and I started learning practices like orgasmic meditation and swamping, which is a practice by Mama Gina that is all about embodying your emotions. So I started, my pussy started waking up, my emotions started waking up. I started learning about the erotic blueprints from one of my teachers, Jaya. Like I just started diving into all of these different teachings and modalities around sex and intimacy and orgasm. And my body started waking up and I started integrating it into my coaching and my sex completely turned around. I hadn't had sex in a year and a half when I finally did again. 
And yeah, and I was like in my 20s, you know, thriving, beautiful, young, and was just so frozen. And it really took practicing orgasmic meditation, developing a self-pleasure practice, connecting to my body, my emotions, letting myself thaw out, learning to trust my desire, um, healing my fear of rejection. Then I started having sex again, and it was beautiful and connected. And now my sex is always amazing, you know, and of course there's like different depending on who I'm with or, you know, the, the vibe between us, of course, there's different variations of how good it is, but it's always great at, compared to most people and compared to, you know, my earlier life. Cause in the end you're responsible for having the great sex for yourself. Exactly. So if you're taking care of that for yourself, then it's always going to be great. Exactly. And because I know my body now and I know what feels good for me and I know how to ask for what I want. It doesn't matter who I'm with. I know that my body is is my responsibility. My turn on is my responsibility. My pleasure is my responsibility. And I get to invite partners in to co-create pleasurable experiences with me, but I don't rely on men to give me pleasure in my life or to give me orgasms. It's amazing when we share experiences and it's orgasmic. Fuck yeah. But I can give that to myself and I'm an amazing lover for myself. And that I didn't have years ago. Like that has been from mm-hmm. a, a product of this path. Right. That's beautiful. And I love how you mentioned all the different things that you did on your journey because it's that's sort of the point that I want to, you know, give across, which is that there's so many things to it. It's not just let me work on this one thing and then I'm going to be great at relationships. Right. There's, you know, all these different aspects. And so I love that you mentioned asking for what you want because I remember the first time that I asked a guy on on a date and what I wanted to do. Do you remember? It was like so exciting to me. I asked this guy out to dinner and then to um, the wrecking room, like where you go and destroy things. Oh my God. That like getting on the call. He rings a bell now that you're (laughs) saying it, but I didn't remember that off the top of my head. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, it was like what I was, what I said I'd do that week, you know, like I'm going to ask a guy out on a date. And it was such a big deal for me because, you know, we're conditioned as women not to be the ones to ask. And so I, I want you to talk, I want you to give a little bit of an insight around asking for what you want and how it plays into commitment phobia, like how it plays into the fear of committing to one person because you're not responsible for getting what you want out of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a big element of my work. Obviously, you know, this is uh, personal responsibility. Like if I, if I really were to name myself accurately, I would be a personal responsibility coach, but it doesn't sound so good <laughs> because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, right. It's not as sexy, but it's like, I, it's like right. personal responsibility around having exactly what you want. Right. So really owning what do I want? What would turn me on? What would excite me in life, in business, with money, in sex, in relationships, right? In any area of life. And then how can I, one, ask for it, two, open to receive it and actually allow it in, right? Three, continue to tune in and not like, oh, that's enough, <laughs> right? There's there's just so much to it. And yeah, these are, I mean, there's just, there's so many different places I could yeah. could run here, but. Right. Yeah. But like, what do you see in your clients in terms of, of what happens when they're thinking about 
getting into a relationship and yeah. every time that they leave one, you know, like what happens? What is it that th- that they believe yeah. around that? Well, there's so many, you know, common beliefs that come up for people around relationships. And I mean, a huge one is fear of rejection and fear of failure, right? Is like, I'm, af- I'm afraid if I ask for what I want in this relationship that they're going to reject me and that it's going to be, that it's going to mean that I'm whatever, fill in the blank, right? Not good enough, not sexy enough, not worthy enough, lacking, too fat, too ugly, whatever. Fill in the blank because we that's what we do, right? It's like all the beliefs that come up when somebody says no to us. And it's never about us. I'll tell a story about that in a moment. When you're in a relationship, a common one that I see is that fear of failure. So then they a lot of times people don't speak up or women don't speak up to ask for what they want because they don't want to push the person away or upset them. They don't want to end the relationship, right? So these are common definitely two of the most common patterns or beliefs that I notice is the fear of rejection and the fear of failure. And Mm. one thing that I'll just reemphasize that is never about us, right? If somebody rejects us or somebody is a no, it is never about us. Just in the same way that like, if we reject someone else, it's actually never about them. It's about our own beliefs like, oh, he's not going to be good enough for me or he's not going to meet me or he's not as hot as I want him to be. And like, I need to validate myself and make sure I have a hot partner. So I have to end things with him. But like none of that actually has to do with the human being. It's all of our beliefs, right? It's all of our, oh, I need to manage this and I need to make sure that I'm safe. It all comes back to our own patterns and beliefs from childhood and our conditioning. So I'll give you an example. One of my friends and clients started dating a man and she's been doing this work now with me and and on her own and in different ways with different teachers as well for a couple of years now. And she started dating a man and it was great. You know, they took it slow. They were communicating about everything. They had the conscious sex conversation, which I taught her, which is, you know, really breaking down, like, what are your desires? What does this mean to you? Have you been tested? You know, what, what are you wanting out of this experience? Like really consciously going into a sexual experience. They took their time. They went on many dates, like really got connected. It felt really good. And they were both obviously very much liking each other. And, you know, it was getting more serious. And I got to a point where she felt, you know, when I actually feel into my true desire, I really want to be monogamous with him. And she shared that with him. And the only reason that she had the power, courage, you know, bravery and willingness to do that is because she's been doing this deep inner work. And she has such a solid relationship with herself that she was like, it's okay if he says, no, I'm clear that this is what I want. So she shared that with him. You know, I want monogamy. I'd like to be in a committed relationship and and take this and go deeper with each other. And he had some of his patterns and beliefs come up and was like, well, I think we should keep it open. I kind of want to date other people and I don't really want to fully commit and I still want to get to know you and blah, 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 blah. So, of course, she had her, you know, she let herself feel it and feel the wounding and, you know, the sadness of of that response because it wasn't what she wanted. But she didn't take it personally and didn't take it on. So I gave her some coaching and, you know, I was like, well, keep holding the desire. If this is what you truly want and you know that this is like the actual aligned thing because she can have she has that felt sense because she's so connected to her body and her desire. I was like, keep holding the desire because he's in his stuff, his patterns, his beliefs, his reactions, his like wanting safety and wanting control. So there's stuff coming up for him. 
And the long story short is that they've been in a, in a little roller coaster for the last few weeks of like, you know, she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take care of myself. I don't want to, I don't want to be connected in this way because I actually want to uh, take care of myself and date and, and really honor my desire and date other people and, and really focus on other things if you're not available for this desire. And he wasn't quite leaving you know it was like he wasn't really <laughs> like he's like wait uh-huh. I don't know you know uh-huh. just in this back and forth dance for a couple of weeks and finally it was just like very very clear and he had some reactions come up and she kept holding her desire and really owning it and he visited her went to her house the other day and was like I want to be exclusive with you like I've really been reflecting I've been reflecting on my reactions my fears it's really that I just want I want to be fully free and expressed in sex. And in my past, I've only been able to do that with multiple partners or people I'm not so intimately close with, right? But I actually know that I can do that with you. And I do really like you. I've liked you and known that I wanted you as my partner since we met and since we started dating. And this was just my stuff and my fears and my insecurities coming up. And I'm so clear that I want to be exclusive with you and that I want you as my girlfriend. And now they're together. Wow. Right. So it has nothing to do with a person. It just actually has that has to do with that association that they, ha- they have with a committed relationship. Right. Where they feel like they don't want that. They don't want the association. Right. They don't want whatever stories and beliefs that they have from the past. And he had been cheated on from a past partner. He had had his own trauma or experiences with other women and was projecting that onto her. And fortunately, he's aware enough to have seen most of that, but wasn't seeing all all of it until he got all the way through it, which is, you know, this is relationship. It's like we, we that stuff yeah. comes up, we see our patterns, we communicate. But I shared this story because it's a perfect example of where it could have been so easy for her to take it personally, right? I want to be with you. I want to date you. I want to be exclusive. And he's like, well, basically, no, right? I want to date other women. And most people most women who are not doing this work, who do not have a solid and loving, intimate relationship with themselves would have totally taken that personally. and been like, oh my God, I suck. I'm never chosen. He doesn't love me. Nobody loves me and could go into this whole spiral and be traumatized yeah. for the future, right? Of like not wanting to commit and not wanting to express the desire. Exactly. Not wanting to express their desires. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, never again. Yeah. It was, and I think like that's sort of what I had experienced when we started coaching, which is that I had the belief that if I asked men what for what I wanted or I express what I wanted to do, then that would seem too needy. And I think that's sort of this theme that women have. Like, it's almost like we think that if we express one desire, we're going to be you know, there's there's sort of like this um, idea of the needy woman that we're all afraid to be. And it's an extreme, you know, it's someone who's like texting every five minutes, asking their boyfriend, where are you asking their partner, you know, like to to come home early or to tell them what they're doing. And, and we've almost just like has have associated everything with that extreme. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that's what we often do, right? We go into the polarized extreme of what could, you know, we catastrophize things. So it's like, oh, if I express another desire, he's going to think I'm the neediest bitch. And it's like, no, yeah. right? But we, we we blow things way out of proportion in our minds because of our own, you know, beliefs and experiences. Instead of just taking it one step at a time, like what is true for me? What do I want? How can I express it? And then just trust that whoever I'm expressing this desire to can react in whatever way is true for them. And then I can handle it. 
right? It's giving people the dignity of their own journey, of their own reactions, of their own experience, and then staying solid in yourself through those experiences. And that's not easy. I mean, that's why I do the work that I do. You know, this is why I I coach so many women to get that solidity, that personal responsibility, that connection to desire and to the divine within them so that they can stay solid even when they're getting no's or they're, quote, failing in a relationship fails because it's out of alignment, right? It's like, oh yeah, I trust that. I actually know that that's right for me. Yes. And it, yeah, it it takes some deep work because otherwise, like, like you said, we're in those kind of polarized beliefs and we go to the extremes, which then silences us or or has us lose power. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, you know, I I told you before the podcast that I, um, I wanted to talk about the, the brief period of time when I told you that I didn't want to coach with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And and what would happen to me is what would happen every time that I would want to end a relationship, which which is that I would get paralyzed and I wouldn't really know where to start in expressing what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so it was way easier to just try to be solid with someone and say, like, I don't want this anymore. Bye. <laughs> right. It just felt way easier and less messy to do that than to have an honest conversation with someone and be like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And I'd kind of like to explore that with you. Yeah. So I would love to hear like on your end, you know, what that was like and, you know, recap on that. Totally. And it's a different like solidity. It's like the solidity that we think of is like it's like being solid, being firm, being hard, being like this is it. You know, this is what I want or like ro- walking away or whatever. And and really like the way that I relate to it and the solidity that I mean is like being solid with your truth and your emotions and letting them flow and letting them move through you, Mm. even if it's messy, right? So it's not the solid that we think of as like, okay, like kind of hard and firm. It's like, it's like really being connected unwaveringly to our truth and our emotions and our desires and then letting Mm. and then revealing them, right? So, so in the situation with you, it's like whatever was coming up for you in the moment, you know, when you wanted to run away, and whether it was like, I, I'm not getting what I want, or I'm afraid that I'm not going to get what I want. So better to run away now. Or yeah, so I'm so I don't know what exactly was going on for you. Well, what was going on for you? What was kind of the internal story of that had you want to quit? Okay, so what was going on for me was that at that point, I was very attached to these external things that I wanted. Like I wanted to lose weight and I wanted to make this money and I want to get a boyfriend and I wasn't getting those things. And I was like, all right, I'm not getting what I want. So I'm very certain that this needs to be over for now. Right. It's Which it's the coaching like what, fault. What you could say about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, right. And it's it's sort of what you could say about a relationship, you know, like in a relationship, if you're not having good sex or if you're not having good communication or if the person's not giving you what you want, then you're like, OK, I'm leaving because obviously this isn't working. Right. Yes. And that's the easier that's the easier route. It's just not the most growthful and evolving route. Because when you're actually willing to lean in, as I call it, and say the thing, the deeper thing, instead of running away, like in that case, you know, tonight you could have gotten on a call with me and said, hey, Amy, this is what's coming up for me. I'm noticing that I'm feeling attached to getting a certain result or losing weight or, you know, gaining whatever relationships or, you know, whatever the things were that were your masculine goals. And you could have shared like, this is what's coming up. And I'm noticing that I feel like it's not going to work and I'm, and I'm wanting to blame and I'm feeling like a failure. And these, these things like these observations, which takes a lot of self-awareness and courage and vulnerability to reveal. Right. But 
that is the personally responsible way to come to any relationship when you're feeling something, right? It's like, I'm noticing this, I'm feeling this, and then not running away, right? Leaning in like, hmm, why am I feeling this? Do you feel this? What do you think about this? Do you have some reflections for me about what I can't see? And the whole point of having a coach, and this was my role for you, is pointing out your blind spots, right? So like, hmm, where does this pattern show up for you tonight? Like, where else do you feel something and want something? And then you just give up before you get there because it's not looking the way you want it to look. And you blame the other person. Right. Yeah. That's so good. And I'm just remembering how at the time, I just had so much pressure on myself to be perfect, which I think... So many people that would um, consider themselves commitment folks can relate to, which is I need to show up perfect in this relationship. And if I can't, then there's no way that I'm going to show up. So I better leave. And, and yeah. then, you know, that's sort of when you started teaching me about this concept of of messiness, yeah. which people are really not familiar with. Totally. And I think, you know, I can speak more to that, which is that, you know, actually men really and I'm speaking in heteronormative terms, but this is anyone because we all yeah. have masculine and feminine energy inside of us. But our partner and I'm going to speak about men because that's who I date, but it relates for anyone like our partner and men really want to see our full mess. They want to see us fully. And we withhold, right? We, we were perfectionists and we try to, we try to do it well. This is like the classic example of the perfect couple. You know, I think of like, you know, on Wisteria Lane, like I'm thinking of like desperate housewives, like, like right. Being beautiful, mm-hmm. showing up, cooking the meal. And then, you know, what's happening? Like they're not even connected. They're not having good sex. They're resentful at each other. The husband's cheating with the secretary or whatever. Right. And it's like, these kinds of dysfunctional patterns play out all the time when women are so caught up in trying to be perfect. They're not speaking their truth. They're not letting their partners feel their their messy emotions and their desires. And they're not willing to reveal in that way. And it just gets boring. And it get, and resentment builds. And this is why our divorce rates are so high, right? Like we, our partners actually want to feel us fully. They want to see us fully. And it's up to us. It's up to me to be responsible for revealing that and doing the work to get whatever blocks are in the way out of the way so I can fully reveal myself to my partner. Wow, that is so good. So good. And and really just reminds me like in my in my case, how it was so much about anger and not letting the people that I dated see my anger. And you know, when I did the in-person retreat, I remember that that you said to me, like tonight, this retreat is for you to let your anger be seen. It's for you to get connected to your anger. So can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about how that plays into being intimate with someone and also how that plays into accessing your power? Yeah. I remember that moment so well, standing in front of you while we were doing the the Mm -hmm. emotion, the emotion, we call it swamping, but the, um, you know, the emoting exercise. I get in there with you ladies and kind of stir stir things up to to help encourage and and support your your emotionality being permitted, right? It's like we need that permission. We need that approval because it's not what we experience in our culture, right? It's like, be good, be nice, be approving, be accommodating, be easy. Don't be annoying. Don't be too needy. Don't be too loud. Don't be angry, 
right? So that space that we created in the retreat and do in all of our programs. Oh, and I'm saying we, because you know this, but my business partner name is Ellie Montgomery and our company is called Desire on Fire. I forgot to say. Right. Yeah. I feel like we, we talk like we know so much about each other that I forget that we have to mention certain things. Totally. I'm like, oh yeah, not everybody <laughs> knows my company and my business partner. So, but yeah, we, but right. I really create a lot of space for that emotionality and for those, you know, what we call shadow emotions or shadow behaviors, because it's what's hidden in the shadow in our culture, you know, the anger, the jealousy, the sadness, the grief, the, um, and then a lot of desires that are taboo, right? They're hidden in our shadows. We don't let them out. And so that's what we create space for in our programs. And it's so important for intimacy because if we're hiding, you know, one big part of our emotionality or our desires or our way of being, if we're hiding that from our partner, we're numbing everything. One of my teachers, Nicole Daydone says, you can't selectively numb. So if you're numbing one thing, you're numbing mm-hmm. everything. So if you're tamping down your anger or you're tamping down your, your honest reactions to things or your sadness, then you're actually tamping down the pleasure that you can feel, the connection that you can feel. And it's not easy. We're also talking about like conscious anger because there's the anger that a lot of women are, will, will, uh, run through their bodies in relationship, but it's reactive anger and it's from trauma. So they get triggered and then they get pissed and they direct it at the partner, which is not what I'm encouraging. <laughs> right. It's very distinct here. Cause there's right. You can just be reactive and angry. Some women listening might be like, Oh, I'm great at getting angry. And it's like, wait, that's not exactly what we're talking about here. Right. It's actually like, can right. you access your sadness or your grief or your anger or your jealousy without being triggered? Can you actually allow that to come through you? And it might just be like a regular old day, but you're so you get you've gotten so connected to your body that you can actually feel the nuances of those emotions without having to have a huge blow up and completely attack your partner. Right. And so when you mm-hmm. can learn to connect with your body and your emotions more consciously and let them out uh, in a more conscious and connected way with your with the person you're dating or in relationship to, then oh my gosh, so much in- intimacy is available because how vulnerable mm-hmm. is it to show people those feelings? It's so vulnerable. Right. It is so vulnerable. And I remember my my ex from two years ago, he, he was also very involved in this work. And he, he would say like, I want to see more of you. Like, I want more anger, more jealousy, more sadness. Like, I really want to feel it because I can feel that it's under the surface and I want to see and feel all of you. And it was so powerful for me because I had been doing this work for years, but it's still, it's an ongoing process. Like you said, like the layers need to come off, you know, and it takes time. So I've gotten better and better at connecting to my emotions and sharing my anger or my sadness or my jealousy. But, you know, it's a process. It's an ongoing journey. And to not direct it at him like it's his fault. It's like, no, I'm having this come up from personal responsibility. Like I'm noticing this in my body and I want you to see me in this place, in this vulnerable place. Right. Like creating a very intentional container for it where you're communicating with someone like I just want you to witness his anger and I need to let it out for the sake of right for yeah, for the sake of tapping into this anger and allowing for it to be there without it being directed towards you. Yeah. And without you taking it personally. Right. Yeah. And and. You know, when you're when you're talking about the triggers, it, it sort of reminds me of my own case. Like like you said, it's something that when you're when you're getting upset, it, it you know, almost always comes from trauma. And personally, um, I grew up with a dad who who, you know, 
every time that I'd get upset and cry and get angry, it was met with not a lot of approval. And that's sort of what made me feel like I didn't have the freedom to be angry or the freedom to be upset with men. Right. And that's why I would withhold that anger and then feel trapped by myself. Yeah. And that's obviously why I needed to get out because, you know, I had basically created my own trap. Yeah. And of course, it's, you know, just to speak to this, it's not your dad's fault. And I know that you're not blaming him because, of course, because we've talked about this, but it's not his fault because that's what he learned. Right. right? So he was uncomfortable yes. with that emotionality, probably in himself and in the people around him, because I'm sure it's what was passed down from his parents, like where they didn't have space for him to be emotional or him to have his reactions. So then he didn't know how to have space and hold space for you to have reactions and to approve of it and to un be understanding mm -hmm. of your reactions. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, getting that awareness that it's coming from me, I'm responsible for it. And it has nothing to do with the man in front of me. It's something historical. Like, yes, I think, you know, what's that saying? Like, if it's hysterical, it's historical. That's right. Anything that's hysterical is historical. So if you're having some sort of big reaction, some hysterical reaction, then you know, it's something from the past. Something deeper, some wound in you from the past. Yeah, often from childhood. Yeah, it's funny, like, I, I forget that people don't know this. And and so, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, I'm like, duh, right? But I but I was just talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about politics. And this is an old friend that I'm not very connected to anymore. But we were messaging a bit on on Facebook. And she was just like, I don't agree that, you know, people who do bad things are that it comes from their childhood trauma or their like childhood experiences. And I'm like, okay, well, we just have then fundamentally different views of, of life and the world then, because I absolutely, from all of my personal development, psychological and sexuality training, <laughs> know for a fact that it comes from that, you know, the, the ways that we act, the ways that we be in the world are dictated mostly by what we've learned and how we've been conditioned mm -hmm. and our own experiences and trauma and, you know, good experiences and bad experiences. And that completely dictates how we show up in life. And that doesn't absolve people of responsibility right. when they're doing things as adults that are inappropriate or unacceptable or harmful at, at all. But it is, I think it, it, it does help in any context to understand that you know, everybody's human and we're all reacting, honestly, from like a five-year-old, an inner five-year-old that's in all of us. Right. Right. Exactly. And having some yep. compassion for that can really help us stay connected to people's humanity when they're doing something that triggers us. Mm, yeah. I love to almost imagine myself and then separate this inner child and imagine this person's inner child and like they're the ones interacting, not us. Totally. Oh, Yeah. And I like to differentiate between it, you know, in my adult life and this, you know, doing this work. And I, it's, I practice this in all areas of my life. And my roommates also do do as well here in Bali. They're all coaches of some kind. And, you know, we'll we'll be talking and, you know, one of my roommates will be like, yeah, you know, this thing happened today. And my adult was completely OK with it, like rationally understood. All mm, good. That makes uh -huh. sense. My inner child was freaking out, so upset, so jealous, so sad. And I love that awareness. And that's sort of how we talk because it's like we can give space for and permission for the different parts of us. Like our grown ass adult that's done a lot of personal development and reflection and healing knows it's all okay. This has nothing to do with me. But our inner children, 
don't, right? That wound is going to get mm-hmm. hit because that's still there no matter what, how much healing we do most of the time, right? So it's like, oh yeah, honoring that right. little voice and that part of us inside of us too. Right. Yes. Honoring all of it. Yeah. Which is something that I just realized that I want to bring up, which is one of the things that really impacted me the most was when you talk about jealousy and and you you turn it around to be something that's a turn on. You know, you turn it around to be something that actually works for the relationship, not against the relationship. Um, So I would love for you to talk about that and about how there's all these things that we don't have approval for. And the moment that we do, you can make you can make it something that actually works for the relationship and for creating intimacy, not something that separates people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jealousy has a bad rep in our culture. And it's amazing. I mean, jealousy really is an indicator of desire. And it really is because anytime we're, you know, that st- stuff is coming up like, ooh, I'm, I'm jealous, I'm envious, I want that or th- that this person is experiencing that and I'm not. It's a real indicator of desire. And what we're what we're pretty conditioned to do is to make the person wrong right in our minds. Like, oh, they're they're doing that. So I'm going to put them down. I'm going to insult them or I'm going to villainize them, turn them into the bad guy or, you know, insult them in my own mind or with a friend to make me feel better about the thing I don't have. When instead, a really powerful and conscious way to shift your relationship to jealousy is to see that person or that experience as an expander. Lacey Phillips talks about in her manifestation work that people are expanders for you who have what you want. And so how could you see them as an inspiration versus a threat? Right. And so it's a really powerful opportunity to share if you have a partner. Um, and if you don't, you can just share with friends like, wow, I really see that this person is having this thing that I want and I'm jealous. And I really see that it's my desire. Right. So there's there's a, it's a beautiful compass, actually, to look at desire or some sort of wound. Right. If there's jealousy in a relationship and say, you know, your boyfriend goes somewhere. I live in Bali. So a common thing is like goes to a dance class, right? Because we do a lot of ecstatic dance here. You know, your boyfriend goes to an ecstatic dance class without you and you notice some jealousy come up knowing that he might be around other women dancing right now. So uh, it would be a great opportunity to look at, okay, what can you share and reveal, right? Coming back to the, the earlier part of our conversation, how can you allow yourself to be messy, stay solid in your truth of your experience, owning personal responsibility, right? So he comes home and it could be like, hey, babe, I noticed that I was feeling jealous about you being at dance without me and all sorts of women that were probably there. I was noticing I was making up stories about you dancing with all sorts of other women who are beautiful. And there was like a wound in me that got touched by you going to dance without me. And I really see that I want to feel connected to you um, and hear from you before and after you're at dance just so I can like feel your energy and your attention on me. And I want to dance with you more. And I actually feel that desire to, mm. to be at dance with you. And I also feel a desire to keep healing my my own wounding uh, with men so that I don't feel any jealousy when you're at dance, even without me there. Yes. Yeah. And and you're just like basically turning it around. And yeah, but what you're doing there is you're turning it around and making it sound something that's a turn on as opposed to putting someone down or putting yourself down. Coming from a place of neediness, you're actually coming from a place of, I want to be connected to you. This is like an opportunity for us to- Absolutely, more you know, intimacy. Ex- explore more. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can actually use it in 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 even more of a turned on way, depending on like the setting and, and what feels resonant. But like, you know, you can bring it into the bedroom. You can bring it into fantasy, right? And talk about it. Like, oh, and you were talking to that woman, like I was so jealous and I wanted to- 
I wanted to come in and, and steal you away, or I wanted to like kill her. And people can really play with that energy of jealousy without taking it out on another person actually. Right. But just playing with that energy in the bedroom, um, you can totally like gain the ignition from that jealousy and channel it into sex as well. Yeah. So good. It's really, it's been something that has changed my, (laughs) the way that I interact with people completely. Yeah. I love that. And um, yeah. And it's, it's just like one of those things that people, people feel, yeah, I, I can't share those things because it's going to push the person away and it's going to make me sound needy and it's going to, you know, I don't want to make them wrong. I don't want to sound like like I'm demanding. And and yeah, it's just one of those things that people don't communicate and would rather not be with a person and deal with that. Yeah, because it's much more comfortable. And a lot of people don't have the tools to communicate this. You know, this is why it's so important to right. do coaching or intimacy work or retreats because it, it's like, I'm sure a lot of people listening, depending on, you know, who 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 your listeners are, it's like, they might be like, what the hell? How did you even get to that, you know, mindset? How did you, <laughs> yeah. how did you think mm-hmm. to communicate that? Because it's, you know, this is me speaking from 10 years of personal development work, you know, four to five years specifically around intimacy and, and sensuality work. So it's like, you know, I've been practicing this and I still have to practice all the time. Every day is a practice. Every relationship is a practice. And you know, to that, I just wanted to emphasize that if you're listening and you're like, wait a minute, I don't think I could say all of that or get to that point or that level of awareness. And it probably will require some help. And that's why having coaching and um, training and retreats and support around this is so beneficial for any relationship. We need the tools. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you need to actually feel like your voice is worthy of being heard. You need to actually like feel love for, for what's inside you in order to feel safe and sharing it with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So getting to that place yeah. of solidness in yourself and that kind of self-love that you have to reach also through through your own transformational or healing journey is so important for any healthy relationship. Definitely. Right. Exactly. Um, I wonder if we have time to bring up one more thing before we wrap up. Okay. What's the question? We'll see. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. All right. So Another thing that that really stood out to me when when I, uh, we were working together coaching is that I remember when I when I was dating this guy and I didn't really see it going anywhere serious anymore. And so you asked me, okay, so like, is there anything there for you? You know, is there anything there for you that that you could hang on to in order to live the relationship through? Mm-hmm. And that really changed things for me because now it wasn't about, okay, do I see a future with this person? Then I'm with them or do I not? Then I break up with them. Mm-hmm. So can you, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit more about that and like how you came to, to yeah, to give me that that piece of coaching at the time? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really relate to relationships as practice, even if it's a long-term marriage. Um, I think it's a really powerful, it's very empowering for me as a context to live inside of in, in my relationships because we put a lot of pressure on our relationships to be forever, to be, you know, our one true love, to be, to satisfy everything we could ever want for the rest of our lives. And that's a lot of pressure. And so I think it takes the pressure off when you take on relating to any relationship as a practice partnership. So it's like, what do you want to practice in this relationship, right? And that was what I was, you know, asking you, like, well, how could this relationship be fully valuable for you? How could you see this all the way through? Because I was like, I know that you will really know when it's done. And it doesn't feel quite done. It really feels like there's something else for you to receive from this experience. And 
So I love to ask myself that question and my clients that question. Um, And it might be that you practice asking for what you want in bed. It might be that you practice revealing. It might be that you practice getting emotional or getting messy. It might be that you practice, you know, asking him questions. It might be that you practice receiving, Mm. being taken care of financially or, you know, on dates. Like what, and it might be all of the above, right? But what is important to you and how could you use this experience to practice and evolve? And so, you know, that's what I was really asking you. And, um, and, and what did you practice or what did you get out of it? So good. Yeah. I remember it now. I remember that there were some things about this guy that I didn't like. He drank a lot more than I would have liked. And it concerned me. And I didn't feel confident enough to say that, you know, I thought I was going to sound weird and like bossy. And so you were like, all right, perfect. You don't even see a future with this man. So why not practice sharing that, sharing your concerns, sharing your desires. And so I took it on and it felt amazing. Yeah. I call that a portal. It's like going through a portal of like where you don't want to do it, but you feel that that's your truth. And that's like actually the deeper thing that wants to emerge. It, it's like you walk through that portal and and you're through it. So that's what was so powerful is like, there's some great you know, opportunity to walk through a portal here for you. And that was like speaking your truth, expressing a concern and expressing a desire. And in this case, it was specifically around his drinking that concerned you. But really, like, it's never about drinking. It's like, okay, it was like his well-being, his level of attention on you, right? His care for himself, his self-worth, like wanting that kind of stability in your partnership, right? So it just being able to that or talk about it or move through the portal of your hesitation or concern and speak your truth and stay connected through it. You went through that, which makes you then stronger and more connected and more vulnerable in your next relationship. So, Mm. so valuable. Like that was so valuable for you, even if you didn't see a future with him. Yeah, because I felt all the rightness in, in, in myself and rightness in expressing my voice, which had I not gone through that, exactly, like it, it wouldn't have... Um, shown up the way it did in in the future relationships. I wouldn't have felt as confident to express that from that point forward. Yeah, absolutely. So good. So, so good. All right. So we're wrapping up, although I'm sure this won't be the only time that I'll have you as a guest on my podcast (laughs) because we have so many things to talk about. Definitely. Yes. Thank you so much for being my first guest. Um, This was so much fun. Yeah. And, um, I do want to mention that Amy's podcast with pleasure is my favorite podcast. Um, Thank so you. So please check it out. Oh <laughs> yeah, God. please check it out and check out her programs. Yeah. Why don't you tell um, my listeners a little bit about how they can get in touch with you? Perfect. Yeah. So like I said, my podcast is called With Pleasure and you can follow me on Instagram at Amy Batuski. And my website is just amybatuski.com. And my company's Instagram is at Desire on Fire. So that's where we post about, we post different things about intimacy and some different tools and about upcoming virtual courses and retreats. Um, So yeah, follow me on Instagram. Feel free to reach out start listening to the podcast would love to be more connected to those of you who are listening awesome thank you tonight this is so much fun what a pleasure thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of commitment phobe if this episode left an impact on you please share with friends family loved ones ex-lovers the people in your life who you think would benefit from listening to these conversations if you're curious about the kind of work that i do 
as an intuitive coach, head on over to my website, www.tanaimelgram.com, where you can learn more about what I do with my one-on-one coaching clients, group coaching programs, and you can set up a discovery call with me to see how I can be of support to you. You could also follow me on Instagram on my handle at Tanai Milgram. I'm always posting content about what I'm up to and new insights, new learnings that I'm getting along my journey. And please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard. So together we can start changing the conversation we're having about intimacy and commitments. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week.